Welcome to episode 9 of Splash the Podcast. This week we cover a lot of ground in various sports. We talk about the World Series and Game 6 coming up tonight. Also briefly talk about the NBA and our impressions of the first couple of weeks of the season. And then we move on to talking about football, college, and the pros uh, in the second half of the episode. We have the first edition of the college football playoff standings coming out this evening, so we talk about who our top four teams are, and we look forward to having all of you guys fight about it in the comments section later on. So without further ado, this is episode nine of Splash the Podcast. talk about the World Series. You wanted to open with the World Series Game 6 tonight. Who you got? I'm going with the Astros. Uh, I, I've been rooting against the Dodgers this whole time, and it's been a lot of fun to watch the Astros just crush their pitching game in and game out. The, the only thing gambling-wise to, to really take note of, they're, Vegas seems to have just kind of given up on this series, and they're throwing up their hands. They're it's basically a toss-up tonight. They give the, the slight edge to the home team, um, and I'm sure it'll be the same for Game 7. But uh, the series price is like plus 160, I think, something like that, for the Dodgers. If you if you like the Dodgers, though, oh, it's plus 210, so 2 to 1, but that's still nowhere near as good as the value um, if you just rolled your money over. So if you like the Dodgers at all, Take them to win here. You put $100 down. You win back another 100 You roll that over to game seven, and you'll have won more than if you just put it on two to one. So that's something to keep in mind. And there's a lot of good value for that kind of stuff. Um, that's how Vegas gets you. Usually the, 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 the parts do not add up to the whole. They exceed the whole because um, they want people to, to put money on futures, and they don't give any value for that kind of stuff. So something to keep in mind for that. College, playoffs. Uh, NFL, all that jazz. Uh, so I haven't watched any of the World Series as I am still reeling as a Nats fan from what happened against the Cubs. Can't even really talk about it. But it looks like there's been a lot of reports about baseballs not feeling the same for pitchers. They haven't been able to throw sliders. There's been a lot of runs scored. It was a 13-12 to 12 game the other night. One... Like, how has that been watching? Like, it sounds like you've been really excited about it, but it also seems like the games have been going for five hours, which seems interminable to me. It, it is. That's a problem for all sports, except for basketball. Um, I'm not going to start watching hockey until the playoffs still. And soccer are so great because there's such finite amount of times. There's a countdown. And even with football, there should be. And somehow those games still take four hours. But the five hours that these games are going is just absolutely insane. Except that uh, I did not mind. I was on the East Coast watching the last game that was 13-12. And that was one of the best games I've ever watched, if not the best game. It, every single half inning was just a new onslaught of home runs and dramatic plays and big mistakes and redemptions and great pitchings combined with terrible pitching. 
it was just absurd, but it was a ton of fun to watch. And yeah, I think it's pretty funny that they made different balls and pitchers are saying, saying it's slippery, which a number of people have confirmed. Uh, it seems weird they haven't corrected this problem yet or why they even made the switch in the first place. But obviously it's, it's helping the excitement of the World Series, which I don't think they really needed with the Dodgers in it. But, but still, Astros aren't, aren't too popular, so it's not, it's not hurting. Well, I hope the Dodgers lose tonight and that the series is over so we can all go on with our lives and that this won't continue to hang over into the first week of November. But uh, also because I would like to see the Astros win with their young homegrown lineup as opposed to the Dodgers, which always spend $200 million on acquiring the best talent in the league. So go Astros. I hope they get it done. Anything else you'd like to say about baseball or no? No, just that um, it's been a, it's been a good year and no real surprises. I mean, Astros really were the best team all year. They just didn't get the same publicity just because of the divisions and things like the Indians and the Yankees in their in their conference. But um, and the Dodgers, you know, they cooled off really late, but I mean, they were like fifty games over five hundred at one point. So. No surprise there either. It would have been it would have been nice to have some team jump in there, um, namely the Nats. But but still, it's pretty pretty good year for baseball. Great. Well, hopefully we won't have to talk about baseball again for many many months. And this is it. So this is your 2017 baseball recap. <laughs> We're done. Moving on. Moving on to the NBA and. We're only going to touch on this one briefly. We're, we're really just going to take a shotgun approach to all sports that have been going on. So last week we talked about the NBA. And before we talk about kind of our impressions of the first couple of weeks, wanted to follow up on something we talked about in the last podcast where we talked about the best Wizards free agent picks. So I did a little bit of research. Here are my three that I came up with. So I would put third, even though he probably had the most success, uh, I just personally hate him. Gilbert Arenas, his contract was ridiculous and ruined the the Wizards financially for many years after he was gone. But he did have some really great years and was a very clutch player for them. Number two, I'm putting in Darius Sangaila, just because what a great name. And he was also a pretty good player. And then number one free agent pick, based on his contributions and lasting contract abilities, Paul Pierce. Love Paul Pierce just a couple years ago. Does Paul Pierce wasn't that just one year though? Does that is his yeah. his contributions losing? That's great. The, get that get one year one year and out. One year and out before the conference finals. Well, yeah. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna look at the history of the Wizards beyond the conference finals, you have a very limited history to choose from. I'm just so. saying he's a free agent for one year, and they didn't even make the conference finals. But I have to probably agree with you because I love Paul Pierce and he did a lot for that team and we get nobody else. So yeah, work right. with what you got. That's a good segue. Who do you think is the highest paid player on the Houston Astros? Ooh, I don't really understand why that's a good segue, but because you want to talk more about baseball, so I'm granting your request. No, I don't. I think you maybe misheard what I was getting at. Um, was I not listening? You might not have been listening, but. I don't know. I give up. It's Carlos Beltran, who doesn't even play, comes in for one at-bat a game, maybe. 
That guy's making $16 million. Um, Jose Altuve makes uh, just over four and a half. So that's, that's, um, that's interesting. I think Altuve might get a raise after this series. I know. If only it was in height. Are the Mets... We're really just going to go off on a million tangents. We may or may not get to football. Are the Mets still paying for Bobby Bonilla and his contract? Wasn't it Bobby Bonilla? They had like 25 years where they have to pay him like a million dollars a year. Yeah, Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla Day every July 1st. And they they still have... um, uh, 18 years left. So, oh my god, <laughs> it's just so great. 1.2 million dollars every July 1st. So See, that's the job I want. There, I want a job yep. where I'm being paid not. Your only to job do is to survive. Right. It's a lot of pressure. Just you know, like every every year, it's like, up oh, here it comes. Here's here's my 1.2 million. All right, thanks everybody, and then just you know, go back to. Whatever it is that I want to do, crocheting or whittling, I could do some whittling. I don't, I don't get why more, more of that doesn't happen. I wonder if they stopped the deferment, or if people just thought it was so stupid that they stopped doing it. But it seems like a, a decent strategy for certain teams that maybe don't have as much money up front, but would be willing to sacrifice later to invest in a few players for the next five years at only a couple million. I know that they put some rules in there in the NHL because teams were signing. I remember when Ilya Kovalchuk got signed to a contract, they tried to make it like a 15-year deal, even though it was very clear he was not going to play for more than a couple years. And so then that way they could kind of space out their salary cap hit over an extended period of time. And I know the league cracked down a little bit on that and made some rules about it. So maybe... Similar rules happen in other sports. I don't know. Also, that's a good strategy because if you get the money later and just buy a house in Florida, then you can have all of that money not taxed. This, I mean, isn't that true in like Delaware too? Or is that different? Delaware sales tax, so they have no income tax? I don't know. I mean, there's a few states, but yeah, you just, but wherever, I mean, wherever the, there's very few, no, Texas has income tax. Let's, let's go ahead and take a few calls with uh, favorite states uh, that don't have various taxes. So our, our operators are standing by. You could call in. <laughs> if you live in one of those states, please call us and let us know so we can talk about it. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to redirect the conversation back to what we were going to talk about, which was the NBA. Baseball. Your, oh, no, sorry. Not, not baseball. So your impression through the first couple weeks of the year... We've had several storylines develop where the Warriors have had a couple slip-ups. The Cavaliers are actually not playing particularly well right now. Lost to the Knicks, who most people consider to be a pretty awful franchise. Are you worried about any of the top teams and how they're playing out of the gate? No, not at all. Uh, Nothing in the first month matters whatsoever. Teams are trying out things. They've all gotten new players. They're figuring out new rotations. They're just trying different things. Uh, none of this matters at all. Uh, for gambling-wise, there are a couple things to look at. You might get some value on certain things. Uh, I think you do get value on those teams a little bit later. So, I mean, basketball definitely 
morphs over the, the course of the year, and pretty predictably. Um, teams get streaky, you get a couple big wins, there's not as many games as baseball, so things stand out a little bit more. But things like, like the Orlando Magic are 5-2 and two right now, and that's, that's not going to continue. Their team's not that good. They've done a great job winning so far, but they're not that good, and the Cavs aren't that bad. So eventually, not through seven games, it'll probably take another ten. You'll start getting some value where those will be overvalued or undervalued. So I would wait, give it like ten, ten games, fifteen games for the Magic. And if they're still doing well, I would start betting against them because I think there'll be a regression. I mean, they're they're they have. Uh, Vucevic is dropping 40 points. Aaron Gordon is dropping 40 points. That's that's not sustainable. So that will stop, and then you'll get a lot of value because Vegas has to prop them up because they've been winning. But that will that will stop. And then same with things like the Warriors and the Cavs. I mean, I, I bet on the Warriors last night because they were five and a half point favorites against the Clippers, who they destroy. I mean, they always destroy the Clippers. They're their hated rival. They beat them by 40 points. They don't have Chris Paul anymore. I mean, that was easy money, and and there was it was only five point five just because they've started slow. But they're still the Warriors, and so I would jump on lines like that early. One of the first times I was in Vegas, I was playing poker, and the guy who was dealing cards was talking about the various NBA games that were going on and sports betting, and he just said he looked at the table and he was like, "If you're betting on NBA games." in November and December, you might actually have a gambling problem. And it's not worth doing just because teams are figuring it out. They are resting players. There are injuries from the offseason. People were coming back from offseason injuries. And so you really don't know what to expect. And when you get to the playoffs, you know we expect the cream of the crop, the expected teams to do really, really well. But on a night-to-night basis, it's really, really hard to know how much effort's going to be put out for each team, uh, especially if a team is playing on the second night of a back-to-back. You often see them struggle to score as many points because they're tired. So I tend to stay away from the NBA at this part of the year and wait till really like Christmas time. I mean, I think the NBA tries to get a lot of games on Christmas Day precisely for that reason to try to get people excited again for the league and paying attention since there's so much football going on right now but I I find yeah, myself I really the, staying the away. The value is you you get you there's more playing right now than there is later in the year. I mean th- that's kind of the problem here is the league uh, as it's moved towards these, you know, big three type model teams has really separated itself into two different divisions. There's the elite teams and there's everybody else. And the the top teams, because half half of the teams make the playoffs, literally half, there's such a, a, a huge disincentive to play your good players for all of those teams. And that's a lot of teams. And because they're, they know that all of them are going to be resting players and that they're all guaranteed to be in the playoffs, at least like the top five teams from each conference, um, there's a lot of that. But they haven't started doing that yet. Right now, they're figuring things out, yes, but they're still playing quite a bit. And so I think what you want to do is kind of take a, take value in when the teams are actually playing now and try to stay ahead of, of um, the guessing between the back-to-backs, which you should definitely always bet against, and, and people sitting, um, which you'll see a ton of this year, especially in the second half. But right now, I mean, 
you're getting some figuring out. So there's some unpredictability, but I think there's more predictability now than uh, the second half or the last third where teams are really just starting to prepare for the playoffs after they've seen what's happened the last few years. Did you see the fight between the Wizards and the Warriors where uh, Draymond Green and Bradley Beal got mixed up and then they were going behind the basket and then Kelly Oubre comes in out of nowhere and gives a forearm to John Wall, like the back of John Wall's head. Did you see that? I missed the... Wait, Oubre hit John Wall? Yeah, Oubre comes running into the pile to like throw a forearm in there, but he ends up hitting John Wall right in the back of the head. Oh, that's not great. No, you really want to see a rookie in their second season develop past those kind of mistakes. You gotta, you gotta really hone in on where you're throwing those forearms. Well, yeah, the forearm throw comes in year three. That's generally agreed upon. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about in the NBA? No, that's it. I mean, um, Minnesota's playing well. That was one of our overs. Wizards are playing well, I and mean, things are looking pretty interesting right now. I, but it's just so early that that there's just no no point. Check back in in, in a few weeks. Utah Jazz also with a winning record. They were my over for the year. So moving on from inferior sports like baseball and the NBA, we're going to talk about college football now. As it is Halloween, we're recording this on Halloween, and in just a couple short hours, we will have our first four teams released. Uh, The first college football playoff rankings will come out, and we'll have a lot of hand-wringing from various fan bases so i want to open it up with a question from one of our one of our podcast listeners thomas from charlottesville he asks why is there so much consensus about alabama being the overall number one when their best win is against a five and three texas a&m team then the second part of his question is why are people focusing on the, the location of Georgia and Notre Dame as opposed to some of the other teams that may or may not be in the playoff? So what are, what are your thoughts first on Alabama and whether they should be the top team and the consensus or lack of consensus around them? Well, I mean, it's hard to take – once you start at the top, it's hard to get knocked off that. And they've been at the top – and they've just decimated everybody. So they're not going to drop. If they were, if they were like something like Washington, that's unproven, that might be a different story. But they're Alabama. They've still run through the SAC, which is not easy, especially the way they've done it. So they're not going to drop from from number one until until somebody comes close, or someone takes them down, or some other team does as well. But no other team's uh, team has done as well as Alabama has. And they have such a track record that it's impossible to knock them off that line without a loss. Right. I think you're hitting on the exact right point. I disagree a little bit with the assumption of the question that Alabama will be number one when the polls come out. I think there's a decent chance that Georgia may actually leapfrog them because of the strength of their victory against Notre Dame. But I think most people agree those will be the top two teams in the college football playoff when it comes out. There's also a pretty bad track record from this first release of the top four teams. There have been a lot of situations where uh, a few years ago, 
Ohio State was ranked 16th when they came out. I think this was in 2014. They were ranked 16th when the first playoff came out and ended up winning the whole thing. So the initial rankings don't necessarily indicate anything more than trying to get fans excited, trying to add extra meaning to games and get you to tune in a little bit more than you otherwise might. That being said, who are your top four teams? So I can yell about them. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Sure, I can uh, go first. I don't first. want to get yelled at. Uh, so the definitive list of top four teams, we have uh, Alabama at one, consensus. Everybody knows that the, they're the best team. Uh, Thomas, just get on the bandwagon. Uh, I'll put Georgia second. Third, I actually will put Notre Dame, even though that pains me to say for many, many years, Notre Dame gets more credit than they actually deserve. This year, they have a number of really strong victories and have just blown teams out. Their only loss is against Georgia by a point. So that's a pretty good loss. You're not going to find a team with a better loss than that. So put them in at three. And at four, probably Ohio State deserves to be there. But you know what? Just to troll you a little bit, I'm going to put Wisconsin, since they're undefeated, put Wisconsin in in the top four since they have no chance of losing a game. They're just going to go undefeated, run through the Big Ten, and make the playoffs. So go, go Wisco. Thanks for trolling me. Um, Anytime. Yeah, I, we have we have a shot. So wait, is this is this your final four or your your four four today? This is where it would be if I was forced to vote on it today. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, I would not put Wisconsin in there, but I would have them at five. But I I would I would put um, I would put Notre Dame, Georgia, Alabama. And Clemson, and then I would put Wisconsin at five, Ohio State at six, uh, and I think that's just because Wisconsin doesn't have a loss, and it doesn't really matter because they're going to play each other. So one of them is going to jump to the top four either way. I think. So yeah, it doesn't matter if you have Wisconsin, Ohio State, which order. But, but yeah, I think Clemson's definitely in there. Uh, the only loss they have is against Syracuse by three points. And that was without their quarterback. They lost their quarterback for an entire half. That's a very big deal. And because of um, the new rankings where it's there's people involved, they sit around in a room and discuss this, they know that. And they're going to take that into account. Uh, and if he wasn't injured, they would have absolutely won that game. And they would be undefeated. And it would be an obvious top four pick. So I think they're still in there. I think you have to put Notre Dame in just because of how well they played and who they beat. Same with Georgia. Uh, and Alabama are both undefeated. So, um, yeah, that's the four. And then I think you got three Big Ten teams right after that. Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State are just five, six, seven, and then something's going to happen, and and one of those teams will get in. I think, it, like I said earlier, I think my preferred job in the world would be a Bobby Bonilla-esque job to get paid not to work. But I think my second preferred job, if I can't get that one, would be to be a part of a college football playoff committee where they get to meet and in a nice fancy hotel conference room and really debate these kind of things and then come out with a list multiple times where it doesn't actually mean anything, right? Like what they come out with tonight means literally nothing. It has no accountability to anyone. 
And, you know, they can try it several times. So, like, if everybody in the college football world is like, what? Baylor has doesn't have any wins. Why did you put them in the Final Four? You can be like, oh, right, sorry. Uh, let's try again next week. So, th- well, I mean, that's a, that's a great job. Right. You, you can't be wrong until the very last second. So, you're right. None of this matters. They know that. I mean, they did this a couple years ago, too, when there were a couple teams on the bubble, and they knew they were playing each other, and so they just threw them there together and said, whatever, it doesn't matter. One of you is going to win and go in. And, uh, I mean, that's, gonna, that's how this is going to work. It doesn't make a difference because someone's going to lose in the conference championship somewhere, and that'll just change everything in two seconds, and it won't be much of a surprise, and that'll be that. But these first few weeks don't matter just because there's there's so many big games left. So speaking of big games, do you want to give out a couple of picks for this coming weekend of college football? One game I like is West Virginia at home. They're favored over Iowa State, who just knocked off TCU, beat Oklahoma a few games ago. I mean, they've been playing very, very well, and West Virginia's favored by two and a half, even though they've lost several games. That seems super fishy, so I'm going to take it, and um, Iowa State may have use all of their effort on, on last week's win against TCU, and, and now they're, they're going to have a letdown against West Virginia, which is a really tough place to play. So I really like that bet just because of the situation. I also like that bet. I think West Virginia has actually been playing really well. They nearly beat TCU, came up just short. Iowa State is playing with a lot of confidence, but you see this so often in college football where a team gets a big win and then has a big letdown the next week, can't get up for the next game so i think west virginia at home morgantown is a scary place to play uh, i i like the mountaineers there as well yeah that's a big thing in, in college football is the the ability to bounce back week after week is 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 more difficult than the nfl there's there's a bigger discrepancy between positions and uh there are a lot more plays run it takes a biz- bigger physical toll. I think that's something that people need to take into account. If you play Alabama one week, it doesn't matter how well you play. In fact, if you play Alabama to to a close game, the odds of you winning next week are very slim. I mean, the amount of injuries you're going to pile up, maybe not significant injuries, but little injuries that, that take a toll and knock you down to 80 or 90%, uh, I mean, that, that's a very real thing. And so when you play a, a big physical team like Alabama or Clemson, uh, or any Big Ten game, that kind of thing will, will come back to, to haunt you the next week uh, almost every time. It doesn't mean an automatic loss, obviously, but it's something to definitely take into account, especially if you're going on the road like Iowa State is. I'm glad you brought up Alabama as they are involved in one of the picks I was going to make for this week. This game, at the beginning of the year, LSU and Alabama was probably one of the most anticipated games of the entire season. LSU struggled earlier in the year losing to Troy and now they are 21 21 and a half point underdogs I like LSU in this position here I think they will get up for a big game despite how much the people of Louisiana wanted to fire at Ogeron they are only six and two and have really played well the last few weeks they're coming off a bye so they will have had a chance to game plan against Saban and I really think that this will be a much, much closer game than people think. Alabama probably will still win the game, but LSU has a lot of talented players on their team. They still have a really solid defense, and 
You give them more than three touchdowns, and in the SEC in a rivalry game, I will take that even against a team as good as Alabama. Yeah, that's tough. The rivalry helps. 21 points, 21.5 I would probably uh, stay away from. 21, uh, I don't know. Tough to bet against Alabama at home. They, it's just that when, when they're better than a team, they're so much better. And if you can't handle their 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 lines, then you're going to get demolished. It's I mean, it's just kind of... It's kind of like what the Jaguars are doing to people in the NFL. If they're, if if they're if they've got you on defense and they can shut down your, your wide receivers and your line can't handle their defensive line, then they're going to win by a million points because you have no chance. You, there's not enough um, audibles you can call to, to deal with that kind of pressure. And it's, I mean that's how Alabama is every single week on both sides of the ball. So it's either it's either going to be close because the team works hard to slow the game down, or it's going to be an absolute blowout. So it's tough to to bet on a, a midline game like that. I think it'll be somewhere like 21 to six where it's just a sloppy game. LSU tries to run the ball a lot and chew up time. Their defense keeps them in the game. Eventually Alabama breaks through, but I think it'll be a low scoring sec style game. So I'll take three touchdowns. Any other college bets you want to get off your chest? Not really. There's a lot of really good games this week, though, so it's kind of fun. You could you could take some chances on some some low spreads on good teams. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Um, I, I kind of like Oklahoma there, uh, although I really like Mason Rudolph and I hate betting against them. But but there are a lot of games like that that that'll be it's gonna make it a, for a fun weekend. Virginia Tech, Florida. Man, how about how about uh, Florida with Jim McElwain? That whole thing. That, uh, yeah, you go. That escalated quickly, as they say. <laughs> I think the I think the lesson is if you're gonna lie about getting death threats from your fans, you also have to come within five touchdowns of your arch rival, because if you lose forty-two to seven to your arch rival, then people start to get really pissed about the fact that you lied about death threats to your players and to yourself. It's an important life lesson Very for all you strange. kids listening out there, listening to this betting podcast. <laughs> if you're going to make up death threats, at least also fake the physical evidence. Exactly. So in the last couple of minutes here, uh, we can transition and talk about the NFL. One thing I wanted to talk about is in the last 24 hours, there have been a whole number of huge trades that have gone around in the league. Jimmy Garoppolo got sent out west. Uh, Jay Ajayi got sent to Philadelphia. You don't normally see these kind of big-name trades happen in the NFL, but they've all happened right here around the trade deadline. So, Justin, does do any of these trades change your perspective on betting on any of the teams involved? A little bit. Not, not, not too much, only because... Um... Well, I don't know, the the Jay Ajayi thing was very strange to me. The Eagles don't have a star running back, but they have four good running backs. I thought they were doing a pretty good job with um, switching them up. And maybe they didn't like that. Maybe that wasn't on purpose, or just be, it was just because they didn't feel strong about anybody. I mean, that must be what it is if they're going to trade for someone like that. It just seemed like a, a strange move to me. Yeah, I think they have a number of good players like Smallwood and. 
uh, LeGarrette Blunt, but they don't necessarily have somebody that they feel like they can hand the ball to 20 times in a game. And, you know, the Eagles are the only one lost team left in the league, so they feel like they're going for it. And they got him for a pretty good deal. And so, yeah, why not? Add somebody to the mix. You never know who's going to get injured. There have been so many injuries in the league. And add somebody in there. Running backs can learn a new system much faster than, say, a quarterback or uh, a wide receiver or something like that. So I, I think it's a great move for the Eagles. The The move I'm most interested in and I think helps the most gambling-wise would be the Dwayne Brown trade for Seattle. Seattle put up a huge number of points this past weekend against Houston, but they've had problems on their offensive line and now getting one of the better left tackles in the league at least before he held out. I think that really shores up the Seattle Seahawks offensive line. It's going to make things much easier on Russell Wilson. And I think it really helps the Seahawks become, you know, pushes them into the conversation as one of the elite teams in the NFC. That's a, that's a strange trade. Why, why would why would the Houston Texans give away one of their, their offensive linemen protecting their franchise quarterback? He's been sitting out for a number of weeks now, holding out with contract negotiations, and they're paying him a bunch of money, and the left tackle who has been there has worked out pretty well. So I think they thought, hey, we'll get rid of this malcontent who is costing us a lot of money to just sit on the bench and complain about not getting a long-term contract. So they they have addition by subtraction. Hmm, that's fair. So we've got week nine coming up in the NFL. Teams are starting to separate. So we're going to give, let's give two picks each as kind of a primer for where the lines are standing right now. So Justin, give me two games that you would like to bet on this weekend. I'm definitely going to throw the Eagles in several teasers. Uh, They're minus eight at home against the Broncos. The Broncos have looked just awful on offense. I've been saying it since the beginning. I mean, their offensive line's terrible, but it's not just that. It, Simeon is not a good quarterback, and their other backups are just as bad. So I think they actually might make a change this week because they know they can't keep losing and having people talk about how good their defense is. But it's not going to matter. Their quarterbacks are all awful. Their, their wide receivers are banged up, um, and they, they just can't put up points on the board. Meanwhile, the Eagles haven't shown any bit of slowing down. They continually put up 30 points easily, it seems like. So I'll throw them in a, in a six-point teaser with a whole bunch of teams, and that, that should be the lock of the century. I like the Saints, I guess, to cover. I, I don't see how the Bucks can keep up with them. They've also had equally bad offensive struggles. It's unfortunate. Definitely thought the Bucks were going to make a, a leap here, but they've done nothing. So I'm I'm done with them for the year. The Texans are going to destroy the Colts. I don't know if I would take 13 points, but I would definitely take the over. I think that's a lock. The Colts, they they start off throwing the ball because they start off down 10 nothing. So they're going to put up points. The Texans just continually put up an insane amount of touchdowns. Deshaun Watson is by far the most fun player in the league to watch at this point. So I don't see any way that they don't cover 49 Seahawks minus seven at home against the Redskins. I, I think that the Seahawks will cover that pretty easily. 
Um, and then I like the Raiders minus three on the road at the Dolphins. I don't like the Dolphins. Uh, I had the Ravens last week. I don't like the Raiders much either, but they got to win sometime. And after trading away Ajay, I think I think the Raiders have a shot here. Okay, so those were your two picks. All now that you've given a preview of every game that's being played this weekend. Um, <laughs> I'm not awesome. great at math. I'm just good at football picks. You still have to write something this week for the NFL preview. Don't think that this gets you out of doing that. You still have to put some pencil to this paper. This is like the mister. audio book. <laughs> Um, uh, I, my initial picks for this weekend, uh, speaking of teasers, I love teasing the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. They are playing really well, finally clicking on offense. The Redskins, as was shown in the Cowboys game this past weekend, they have so many injuries. They're terribly banged up on the offensive line and their cornerbacks are also banged up and playing in the rain isn't going to make it any better. And so I think this is a perfect game to tease that number down. It's almost a guarantee that Seattle's going to win that game at home. I don't see any way the Redskins win on the road. So tease it down, bet it with any other team that you feel like. And I think right now the other the other lean that I have right now is actually the Colts getting 13 points. I played them last weekend against the Bengals with that almost a similar number of points. And the one trend, you know, Vegas has done a pretty good job this year of evening out uh, home teams, favorites, and underdogs. But there's a slight trend right now for underdogs overperforming at about 53, 54% against the spread. And so I'm going to stick with underdogs until that reverses itself and give me the 13 points. Yeah, I'm. I'm not not taking that. Texans can put up an ungodly amount of points, and they're not the Bengals. The only other thing is, oh, I'm just upset that the Browns have off this week because they're just a money maker. Bet against them every week. They're uh, what two and six now against the spread, and the not first one against the Steelers basically doesn't count. So, and really, the Titans completely blew that game as well. But. I mean, yeah, two and six, just keep betting against them. They're not getting better. <laughs> I don't know. We might see a 20-point spread with them at some point. Uh, we, we're going to wrap up the podcast now because both of us have to go hand out uh, candy to trick-or-treaters. But one thing I want to pin for next week is uh, talking about both the smart decisions that we made or things we've written about and the stupid things that we've said. Uh, I your bet on Terrell Pryor being the lead league lead. Uh, God, that was terrible. Yeah, that did not work out. My writing after week one that Deshaun Kaiser finally was going to answer all of the Browns questions. Uh, that's not that's way to more be, embarrassing. That's pretty embarrassing, too. So we're going to put a pin in that for now and do some careful self-reflection. And we'll talk again next week. All right. Have fun. Save all the Reese's for yourself. You know it.